0: Wonderful folks out there, and welcome back to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, and he is Steve, and it's starting to look a whole lot like Christmas. In episode 298 today, December 2nd, 2022, we are going to be getting right into our topic of the day, which is Andor Season 1 Review. So there's no need to fast forward whatsoever, but we do ask that you smuggle that subscribe button and free that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single solitary episode of Joy Guest and drops once a week each week. And we should go into the fact that uh, we will be discussing spoilers. So if you haven't seen the show, just be forewarned. Steve, this has been an interesting situation because as normal Disney Plus shows typically go we mm. usually have about 6 episodes per season right this one however is interesting in the sense that they pretty much kind of released two seasons worth as it applies to Disney Plus because we have 12 episodes of Andor and mm-hmm. so we've been able to actually get a whole lot more VOD aka video on demand mm. When it comes to figuring out just uh, what this whole thing is about.
1: or video that we demand. Indeed. And we demand more video.
0: Indeed. Dov. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, yeah, that's actually oh, what I was hoping for. it was. You get an E for efforts, Steve.. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think of the show overall with the 12 episodes? I, I actually... Uh, I hate to cut you off. But we did do Ooh. a previous episode of Andor with the initial for six episodes. And so that was kind of more of like a where it ended up and so if you're interested in checking that out, you can see a lot of our comments back then. Continue, Steve. Well, that wasn't
1: like all of like the full six episodes.
0: That was like like four. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Um no, I I like this show. Uh, I thought they they did a great job. I thought that all the extra screen time they gave everybody was well worth it. Nothing felt rushed. Uh, maybe a little bit slow at times, pacing-wise. But uh, I appreciated all that they did. It kind of felt refreshing mm. in a way. It felt. Uh, I remember the comment that I made before uh, was... was um, the adults seemed like they were writing this one. Like, the people were more invested in it. They were committed to it. The characters were, were committed to their characters. Uh, everybody was delivering their lines well. We had a little bit of back and forth with Diego Luna because he's just kind of expressionless. He's like, he's bored all the time sort of things. <laughs> kind of melancholy. Kind of, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think he delivered his lines well. I think he, I mean, I'm giving him acting chops, but as far as expression... Uh, you know, we didn't. We of course we were not so much uh, giving them kudos for that. But uh, the show overall, I think it's one of Disney Plus's better shows, mm. my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to be as explody as some of the other right. Disney Plus uh, Star Wars shows, uh, and that's definitely okay. Mm-hmm. Um, this one just felt more serious. It didn't feel like. Uh, we had to follow a main character, or a a, a bigger character, or a bigger villain around uh, in the Star Wars universe. This is like the the kind of nitty gritty stuff that's happening on a regular basis, and it felt it feels human, and it feels uh, like you what, what you would expect. And um, I liked I I just I like a lot more than um, the criticisms that I, that I have for it. So that would be I guess my high level thoughts. Oh, nice. of the show so far, Russ.
0: Very nice. And and you did finish the all like all twelve episodes? Oh yeah.
1: Stayed up all night.
0: Uh, watching it. Yeah,
1: I went to bed at three in the morning, Ross. Good man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I would have gone to bed sooner. Force is strong with this one. I would have gone to bed sooner. But um, one of the episodes maybe go to sleep. Oh uh. so I was yeah, I I um, <laughs> passed out passed and then i out. woke up at the end and thought oh i'll just sleep for 10 <laughs> minutes i'll just rewind it back to what i missed and then back, back 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 okay yeah pretty much the whole entire thing i like i missed like probably 35 minutes out of
0: 50 years <laughs> <Like, laughs> i can totally see you like almost like you're you sleeping, uh, then. you wake up you're like Andor. <laughs> your wife's like who's who's andor Explain yourself. You're like, nothing. It's just a TV show, honey. Yeah. <laughs> They're smuggling weapons and, oh, boy, <laughs> the mission. Yeah, the mission. <laughs> the rebels. Yeah. I got to get grandma out. <laughs> Stuck in the chair. <laughs> and that robot is so insolent. <laughs> Passive aggressive. Oh, grandma boy. can't take that with her weak ticker. Yeah, right. Wish, wake up. Binks! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I woke you up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, thank you for that, Steve. Nah, thank you for that, indeed. Welcome. I agree with one of your main points, which oh, you did one early. Well, there's one that really stands out to me and that I wholeheartedly agree with, and mm. that is the fact that this just seems like a more mature mm. take. Uh, in the Star Wars universe. You know, I, I yes. think that um, this particular show is a pressure cooker. Yes. You know, we're seeing a lot of the the different actors and characters all thrown in at different parts of the story and, it, you know, basically ratchet up that pressure and see what's going to happen as a result. And it did feel pretty tense at times. It did feel pretty tense at times, despite the fact that there really weren't that many moments of big explosions That's or right. fighting or or whatever. So, um, no, it, it was. Um, it, but I appreciated that though. I thought it was really nice t, um, to have things kind of changed up a bit in terms of instead of having. Because I mean, I I love me some explosions too. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy me some Star Wars style explosions sure. and, and swash sci fi bucklery. Mm. And uh, in, in, in this situation, though, I enjoyed how things kind of built up. Hmm. Um, the other thing, too, and this is something that we talked about um, as well in the the previous... You just touched me. I did. I like to touch them poke them. I also really loved the visuals of this. This was one of the first times I've watched... Um, a Disney plus show where it, it, it just looks like a movie. I mean, you're watching it and the cinematography is great. The acting is great. There is uh, just a certain level of production value that I really appreciate. And I think it's, it's also largely the same, like in the Mandalorian, for instance, mm. the Mandalorian is another example where I think we can all agree that the production value is at a point where that could, I mean, it looks like it could be a movie as well as a TV show. So I think that this definitely fits into that. It also really ties in nicely to what the creators did with Rogue One, a Star Wars story, which is what they did first before they did this show. And you see like how they're being very thoughtful and pragmatic about how they are kind of giving this as a bit of a prequel to that particular movie.
1: I was going to say, tagging on to your production values, to me, it seems like they filmed... A lot more outside or um, maybe they used a lot more different like production sites, I guess, uh-huh. versus like green screen. Sure. Because sometimes you could see just you could basically just tell what's behind them, Right. It's not so evident as it was before. Like, oh, a blue line right around me. I think Is a green screen. Uh but it just seemed like they were outside more. Like he, you, when when they were interacting with each other in that little valley, for example, just random breezes would come by and and blow their clothes sure. or blow their hair. Yeah. Um. Or you'd see just like the trees in the background. Uh, maybe they still
0: use green screen. I don't know. But if they did, had me fooled. They have new techniques when it comes to that sort of thing. That honestly, really got started around the Mandalorian show, hmm. and really, really great. But yeah, to your point, I think that there are quite a few different actual on location shoots for the show and it pays off. I mean, you, you look at it and you just, as a viewer, you you believe that they are really are on these different alien planets. And honestly, you know, when I think of earth, there are so many places that I myself have never been to. And then on top of that, I mean, when I say myself, I'm just talking about like tourist locations. Like I've never been to Europe. I always want to go to Europe. I want to check it out. I've never been to Japan. I've always wanted to go to Japan. But that aside, there are places on the globe that are very alien in nature in terms of just things that we're not used to seeing, like certain rock formations or different types of exotic locales that, you know, you have different types of uh, scouts in the movie industry that go out and they, you know, research up this stuff. They go, Oh, I found this great little cove or whatever. Right. And you, you see it in shows like this and it's like, my goodness, that looks so alien. But in actuality, it's actually just a a really cool hard to get to location on earth. And I don't know, to me, it's one of those uh, fun things to geek out about where it's like, man, this planet has so much to discover and explore and uh, so we, we get a, a bit of a glimpse into that when we get to watch a show such as this. I do want to talk a bit about the cast, because if you recall, Ooh. the last time that we talked about the show, we were still getting introduced to some of sure. these characters. And, and now that we've watched all 12 episodes, we have gotten a much better idea of, of who's who. Right. Yeah. I ended up making two lists. I made um, the list. I just simply call it the good, and the other list is the boring. And the boring is, you know, certain things like either the character I felt didn't get developed enough or maybe the performance just wasn't resonating with me, that sort of thing. So that, okay. that's, that's what I classified as, as the boring. But the good, though, um, first of all, I want to kick it off with uh, Genevieve O'Reilly, who plays Mon Motha. I found every single scene that she was in to be captivating, and it was such a departure from like um, other parts of the show. And I think that the, the the kudos really go to the show's creators in this regard, where they were able to tell so many different stories from different vantage points mm-hmm. of different characters from different social statuses, and you know where they come from in the galaxy and that sort of thing, and how you could go from being like in a prison to like all of a sudden being in kind of more of like the political elite, right? And and you're seeing how these different characters um, arcs are slowly coming together at certain places. Right. It's right? so kind of intersecting here and there. She was the senator, right? Like kind of like the government official. She was. Yeah. Yeah yeah no um she was to me she was a powerhouse like the both the the actor who uh, who played the role who you know her her actual name is Genevieve um, I thought she did a fantastic job playing Mamatha I really loved how She had a different type of tension all her own based off of it was almost like like her character was was the I don't know how to put it into words, but like it's almost like the walls are closing in around her, like kind of like the if you were to think of like a metaphor where it's like, you know, she realizes she has. Um, this duty of of trying to thwart what's going on with the sure. empire and that sort of thing, but then she also feels very limited in terms of like who she can trust. And I mean, it, it, I mean, it went into even like family, where like she really didn't have like a tight relationship with her husband, or right. like you know, so on and so forth. But what do you think of her? Did her voice sound familiar at all to you, Will? No. Hmm.
1: Her voice is the voice of <gasps> Moira. And Overwatch, are you sure? Are you I serious? am dibbed it. Really? Yes, Russ. Well, how about them apples? You know another one, very familiar. Hmm. Didn't know it until I looked it up. the uh, The intelligence officer, the blonde-haired, white-suited intelligence officer, high up in the ranks. Yes, forgot her name, but. She is the voice of none other than Jennifer from The Witcher. How you doing?
0: Really? Yeah. So I have her name written down here. Uh, I think her actual name is Denise Go. G-O-U-G-H is her, her last name. It's uh Go. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> but you looked at them and and those are some of their credits, huh? <laughs> yeah, how about them apples? Sweet. I tip my proverbial hat ah, to both of you ladies. I well tip off my beanie to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, does it have a little helicopter spinning <laughs> thing? Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, really nice one. It's blowy outside, Rusty. Oh, windy. Indeed. Uh, no, yeah. So they
0: the the lady who played the senator. Good Guine- good Guine- Genevieve. Guine- Genevieve. Genevieve. Nice. Uh, I don't think it's Genevieve. I think it's Genevieve. Her O'Reilly is her last name. She did a great job. Yes, uh, but yes, you're right. So she was
1: uh, very polished when she had to be polished, uh-huh. and uh, you really felt this, the the tension come on when when scenes came that yeah. required her to to change, you know, or flip the coin rather uh, when when she was talking with what's his face, uh, the main rebel guy indeed the arms dealer guy sort of thing the what's his what's his name the guy who who brings cassian to the other planet or the other the other side of the, the planet
0: anyway what's mm-hmm. his
1: face i forgot what his name is uh Luthen. luthan, luthan. yes that's what, sorry if i blew your ears
0: out there, that's bro. okay steve i do that, that time that's time. okay that's i get okay. excited
1: mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, when, she, when they were speaking, yeah, you really felt the tension, you felt the tension at the dinner table mm-hmm. when she can't reveal too much to her husband, her right. husband and I would probably put on the boring list. Honestly,
0: I and mean, he was kind of a, hmm. I didn't, you know, I didn't find him boring necessarily, but he was, he was a weasel. He, he definitely yeah. seemed a pretty aloof. Like he had, he, he had his own motivations or purposefully aloof exactly yeah. like like i think i think that he his character was designed in such a way where i think that their marriage was headed in the direction of being estranged you know like like she, they were together at that point in time like like their relationship was there out of convenience because they had to have the optics right like because she's a political figure she needs to have this unified front of having like this oh this family and everything else or they're like a power couple perhaps Maybe, but, like, she seemed to be kind of... She was the main senator sure. person. He he was kind of along for the ride kind of yeah. thing. They got... And we found out that they were introduced. They got to know each other when they were kids mm-hmm. and due to their particular customs of their planet and everything right. else that, like, they ended up getting married when they were very young. So you, you know there's a history that's there. But at the same time, I, I feel like... It's not really romantic, you know. No, it's
1: not romantic, and he doesn't back her up as a parent either. Like when her daughter's yeah. popping off at her, and he's just kind of slumped at the table, and she's looking at him like, "Are you gonna, you know, help me out?" There's,
0: there's clearly issues. Yeah. There, there's, there, are, there are marital issues issues with the two of them. But again, that hmm. plays up really nicely with the character development of her character, as well as just like how we are seeing her get developed throughout the uh, the whole entire show because mm. you are seeing not only there is family drama, but then there's also political drama. She is feeling exposed based off of what she, what little she can do to try and aid the rebellion and in, in it's kind of infant state, if you will, at that All point in time. Infancy. Indeed, Steve. Indeed. Mm. But they
1: just didn't really hash it out too much, right? his character.
0: No. And I don't think I don't think it was necessary. I think mm. they dropped enough nuggets to be able to get the viewer to understand, okay, this is the type of relationship that she has with him. And if they decide to do another season of Andor, um Andor, yeah. Andor. I was yeah. Say Cassie. And I'm like, no, it's Andor. Yeah. But it's kind of the same thing. First name versus last name. But anyway. Um, yeah, you know, I think that certain things that they've done with various characters are done purposely in a sense that it just provides opportunities in the future to be able to flesh them out further, kind of see where they go. Mm. So, uh, anyway, I thought she did a fantastic job. Um, Adria Arjona, who played Bix, she was the one who was getting tortured with that uh, headset device. Yep. You know, she's the kind of character where she's a she's in the supportive role. You don't see her too often throughout the 12 episodes, but I thought that there was a neat presence about her and honestly, I was I was I had sympathy. I felt really bad when they captured her and then they were going through this and you're seeing how the more times that she gets exposed to whatever kind of torture device that thing is, how I mean it's really taking its toll. It's not like, oh good, they turned it off and now I feel better. Like you can tell there are uh, remaining side effects of being constantly exposed to that stuff. Did you feel the same way?
1: Yeah, I did. Um, I was kind of hoping they would show that more uh, because you saw them put the device on her head and then you knew it was painful. I don't know what happened, if it just was electrodes in her brain or something or... uh, The sound was just torture. Sound or yeah, whatever it was. And then we heard her or we saw her wince and we heard her kind of scream and then that was it. But I wish kind of wish they would describe what that was more. I mean, yes, it does use our imagination, but it seemed like uh, when she arrived in the room, somebody left who had just had that device put put on them and they looked like death. Yeah. Maybe they were dead. I don't think they were dead. I don't think they killed him, but he was in a bad way. He was in a bad way very bad way. Yeah. And then when the next time we see her, she's kind of like in a similar state, but we don't see that kind of progression. Not, right. th- not that they needed to give us like a lot, but just maybe a little extra would have been nice. It's true, Steve. That would have been nice also to have her story uh, a little bit more flushed out too. Hmm. Not like she's her main character per se, but her and Cassian had some history and then she had some history on this planet with some other folks and she was all obviously an important player because she was sending signals out to Luthen mm-hmm. who got connected with Cassian so she knew she she knew some players and she was doing some secret stuff
0: yeah she was she was definitely in one of those supportive roles where she was kind of one of those conduit types of roles of of you know, Party A meet Party B, that sort of thing, and and again, it's like you. There's this kind of delicate balance that you have to play with all of your actors and your characters, in the sense that, How's that Russ? not everybody can have the spotlight all the time. You you have to have these different tiers. And I, honestly, I like I said, I think that despite the fact that that we didn't really see too much of her throughout the all twelve uh, episodes, yeah that she really held her own. Like like she was not a forgettable character. Every time I saw her, I remembered, oh yeah, that's who that person is, whatever. And I, I wanted to like find out what was going on, what was mm-hmm. new, that sort of thing. So anyway, I had her written down. Um, Denise Goh, who we mentioned earlier, she plays Dedra. Wow. Like another really great re- performance from her being um this kind of, I don't know what her actual like imperial job title was she was like a lieutenant or something or other i don't know but anyway she was the the blonde haired woman who really just became obsessive over trying to foil the plans that that the this this kind of uh um burdening or not burdening but like uh, what's that word like i can't remember what the word is but anyway basically like she was connecting the dots in such a way seeing what the this this upstart rebellion was starting to do, and she was trying to thwart that. And I just again was I loved how there was kind it was almost like a juxtaposition to the senator, you know, with Mon Matha, in the sense that, you know, Mon Matha was a senator. She wasn't a senator, but she was in this this political position. Yeah, granted, it was more military in nature, but like. You know, she still had to deal with the politics of her job. She still had to ward off, like there was that one guy who like she was kind of hit butting heads with, and they were trying to like sabotage each other, that sort of thing. And then, you know, she's also trying to like deal with that that one guy, I can't remember his name, but basically the 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 security guy who like lost his job because he bungled that whole operation with Andor initially. You know, he's got this this obsession over her too. And so you're just like, okay, well, what the heck is going on um and so like seeing all that and then seeing how how she was playing the role i thought she had a commanding presence what do you think yeah i thought she had a commanding presence too i i saw her more
1: of just totally invested in her career yeah like she the which was interesting because you just see the empire as the empire and just this evil force in the galaxy and oh there's a bug I'm gonna squash it because I can yeah sort of thing and this was more complex yeah because this is
0: like pre-huge empire right uh and so well the empire was, at this point I would say was actually getting pretty big like like this is we we were witnessing the the rising action of the strength and power like they, they were definitely consolidating it and it really but i mean they weren't at like kind of the the climax of their power i would say that happened more around like rogue one or episode four new hope
1: right but so so the empire is there but yeah. like you know people are understanding that that they're there to colonize in a way or, or rule versus just hey we have a little outpost over here yeah. we're going to be Doing security kind of deal, you know. (laughs) So uh, they're not like they—they're not emanating this idea of they're going to be the ultimate threat to everybody yet. Um, But this lady is totally invested in her career and willing to step on others to advance the career. I mean, okay, two security guards, you know, die. uh, I'm sure, and on many of them die on on whatever planet. This could be something that could be swept underneath the rug, but I mean, she was pulling on the string and kept pulling and kept pulling and kept pulling, mm-hmm. and uh, it was winning winning the favor of her superiors as well. And she didn't come across—I mean, to me, she she could have been more evil, but she came across complex to me. Mm-hmm. She loved the power, wanted to advance her career. I keep saying that, but that's really the impression that I got with her. It wasn't just evil for the sense of just being evil. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I liked her character.
0: Yeah, I did too. I think that um, she definitely had a commanding presence every time she was on screen. I liked seeing her journey, her personal journey through being where she was when we first got introduced to her character, ascend, not necessarily the ranks per se, but just gaining respect within that little kind of strategy council that she was a part of. But also too, one of my favorite moments of her particular character was actually in the last episode when um, she got into the middle of the the scuffle that ensued. and she was basically all of a sudden getting, uh, you know, beaten on and and uh, picked up and thrown around and stuff by the all of the the native folk who were, were very upset and mad about what was going on. But furthermore, When the guy who was like all into, let me me see if I have his name on here. Um, uh, Cyril, surreal. Yeah. Cyril, Cyril, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Cyril who's played by Kyle solar or solar, excuse me. You know, the, the moment where he saves her from the, the riot from the, um, uh, what do you call it? Gosh, what's that word? When you have a bunch of mob, mob, that's it. Thank you. Man, a a three-letter word just just, just, sounds like a slippery pig. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I love that moment where she realizes who he is when he pulls her into that one room, and she is terrified. Not of him, but just she, for the first time in her life, experienced what it was like to be completely powerless and vulnerable and vulnerable and the the whole time all 12 episodes we're seeing her as she i mean she likes the power she likes being in that position of invulnerability right and to have that stripped from her in an instant to the point where all of a sudden she there was nothing she could do and in fact if, if that one guy who like she pretty much kind of like, you know, kept a stiff arm to because she was like, who the heck are you? Like, I'm not interested in you. Like, yeah. what is going on? You know, if he hadn't um, intervened, she probably would have either been severely injured or, or killed in yeah. the process. So again, I loved how they didn't have to spoon feed us that. It was written all over her face, which is a testament to her acting. I felt like her acting was like just perfect. Mm. It, was, it was like, wow, that was that was something i i did not expect to see from her character and when i saw it i was like wow okay that is cool that is a very ironic coming full circle with her character
1: that was a cool scene uh that was uh, that was one of the that was the final episode mm-hmm. i believe um yeah there's something to be said for when you're commanding orders behind a desk and you're screwing with people's lives that don't have any effect on yourself, but have an effect on like your, your decisions have ramifications on people like living, like normal human folks. But you don't see that that sitting behind a desk, yeah. right? You're just typing out an order, telling someone to do something, like dictating here and there, or maybe swiping something on your little tablet. But you don't see the effect in people's lives. Yeah, it's like a false sense of security. That's right. Until you're in the thick of it, you're right down in the battle. You're like, can I shoot? Do I know how to kick a you know some butt here? Do I have a weapon? No, I don't. And, yeah. But the other guy did. Okay, he wasn't you know, ranked as high as far as you know being an official or being a commander or anything. He was a lot lower on the totem pole. But I mean, he had battle experience. He knew yeah. how to shoot. He knew he wasn't so panicked at the sight of of uh, crowds or you know destruction, explosions, sure. that sort of thing. And in a way, it was, they were equal. He got her out of the situation where she could have been easily killed or tromped or whatever. And there's less panic on his face than there is on hers. There was like just terror yeah. exp- expressed in hers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The next uh, actor I have on here is Veronda Sathu. She played Sinta Kaz. Um, she was one of the, kind of the freedom fighter rebellion types um, she was the the Indian lady. The yeah, I thought
1: she was fine. I don't. I I kind of thought her character was a bit throwaway. Yeah, I'm not saying she did a bad job acting at all. Delivered her lines well, um, but it just seemed like you know, she was forgettable in a sense. She was not in very many episodes. She wasn't in very many episodes and then there was a character, uh, what was his name, Skeeth or Skeet or something like that, or um, the guy that and or ends up killing because the guy he said we could take half the loot we can split
0: it blah 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 oh i name? can't remember i can't remember his name but i know you're, you who you're talking about you the, the guy who like you thought was like one of the most idealistic out of the right. bunch and it turns out like he's just another common he has, he has his own motivations smuggler yeah, yeah exactly yeah.
1: so uh he has a conversation with mr andor mm-hmm. and he says, "You know, this person up here, Santa. Oh, she's like one of the hardest, uh, one of us all of, yeah. of all of us. You know, she's been through it all, and she's most dedicated. I go, I'm buying <laughs> it, and I just didn't see it with in in anywhere. Yeah, on honestly. So I kind of thought that not the actress did a bad job. Yeah, the lines were fine. She delivered her lines, but her character overall, I thought was kind of forgettable.
0: Yeah, I think that that a large reason for." what you're talking about has to do with the fact that she just really wasn't in too many episodes. The episodes that she was in, however, I mean, I I liked her look. I liked her presence. I thought her, her character um, had a certain level of um, not necessarily mystique per se, but just like there was definitely more depth to that particular character that I wanted to get to understand better and even in, in the the last, I would say a couple of episodes, we did get to see her kind of do her thing a bit here and there. And so while it wasn't as powerful or like to the level of some of these other actors and, and characters that we've been talking about, I still think that she's worthy of note just because I was like, you know, I, I'd like to be able to kind of see more of that character. <laughs> that was an interesting throat. Sound I would, it I interesting- it was, it was,
1: Rapid, Russ.
0: I wanted to jump in and say something before you moved
1: on. Say it, Steve. Say it. She was part of one of my favorite scenes out of the show. Oh. It was that uh, scene where they, I think they were target practicing or something. Or what were they doing there? Yeah, they had guns out and they were uh, doing some exercise, marching. You know what to expect before. They are training. Training. Sure, Russ,
0: training. <laughs> I, mean, they, I mean, they had their firearms and their rifles and stuff. I have trouble saying, Mob, you have a problem saying training. Sure. It's okay, though, because we help each other out.
1: Anyhow. So, she hears the TIE fighter.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Back, and they go, oh, it's gone. It's gone. She's like, no. I don't think it's going to go that quickly. And they cover up all the guns and everything that would just give them away. Yeah. uh, Because anything the pilot's going to see is just random people. And... You know, it's not just, it, on a different show, if the Empire saw random people, they'd be like, oh, enemies, random people there, <laughs> let's kill them sort of thing, you know, but they were coexisting at the time. There were other tribes that were living on this planet or this area. Yeah. And so the fact that they, that it flew by being in- inquisitive was fine, even yeah. though it was kind of really in their face, but they knew that, you know, it had this thing Seeing their weapons or seeing what they were doing, of course, that you know they probably would have taken them out. Suspicious, yes. But uh so she says, "Okay, cover everything up." You know, I don't, I don't think he's, he, that was just a one-time pass. I think he's coming back, and they trust her. And that thing comes barreling over the hill and goes right in front of them. Oh man, I, I just everyone was asleep. I really wanted to, oh yeah. yeah, crank up the volume on that. Yeah, that was a pretty awesome scene.
0: It was, and I think it speaks to the fact that once again, like Rogue One, a Star Wars story. They do such a nice job of creating this ecosystem of Star Wars where it's not like, oh, we're focused just on this little merry band of, of characters, but actually there are all... <laughs>
1: <laughs> Pardon me. Good luck getting that out, Rose.
0: <laughs> <sighs> As I was saying, I'm going to breathe that in. Yeah, wafting... How often. It's a good thing we have some tasty. <laughs> As I was saying before, all of a sudden my body decided to si- Yeah, simultaneously combust. Um, Inject all that stuff out of your body. <laughs> Gets all over the lens. Anyway, what I was saying was I really liked how the 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 show's creators have been continuous in developing this overall like galactic ecosystem where there are all kinds of things that are happening at given points of of time, or maybe they're happening simultaneously. Like while we're seeing this thing go on, meanwhile, this thing is going on. And I just really appreciate that as a star Wars fan, because I want there to be kind of like this larger than life situation. And I feel like that's the biggest thing because they don't have the luxury of being able to rely on the stalwart characters like Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, like Princess Leia, Chewbacca, Lando, you know, so on and so mm. forth. But what they can rely on and what they can push, in fact, is okay. Here's why all like like this this whole world is such an epic place because we get to kind of like bounce around from. these newer characters and and the characters act as almost like a um, representation of like what that particular faction or area is doing. So like you have certain characters that kind of represent kind of what the empire is up to, what the kind of scheming they're doing and how they're assimilating um, this power versus like, oh, here are these characters that are kind of the OG part of the rebellion that kind of light the, the fire, so to speak, right? And then you have some other characters too that are maybe smugglers or or maybe find themselves in different parts of the galaxy that we didn't even know existed. like. I would say another character and you know actor on my list um, is Andy Circus. Like I didn't even realize yeah. that Andy Circus was in this show, and all of a sudden, like the whole show like does this hard turn left that I was not anticipating at all. And all of a sudden, we're in some kind of prison that's who knows where it is in the galaxy. But it, it, I mean, honestly. Those episodes were some of the most powerful, memorable moments. I feel like from the show. Do you agree? I do,
1: but that that prison sequence, I will say, and at least in the beginning, I thought it was one of the weak points of the show. Oh, honestly, um, I don't know if we want to segue there quite yet, or if you, if I could just say something real quick. Go ahead, yeah. So I was. This could have been a. Of my mental state at the time.
0: <laughs> but they remind you the time you <laughs> busted out of prison. <laughs> yeah, let me show you the tats I like gotten prison rest. Um, you Shawshank sure
1: Redemption yourself out of there, <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> Anyhow, so he is Cassian is telling his grandma, hey, we gotta go. Is this mom or his grandma? Who? The old lady.
0: I think she was, she was like his adoptive mother. Sure. Great. His mom. Basically. Great. Yeah. So I mean, she was old enough to be his grandmother, but I think by all intents and purposes I mean she saved wow. him when she was a kid and then grew, you know, grew him up, but grew him up. <laughs> Not <laughs> like a vegetable. Here I grew him up. <laughs> no, she I, raised him.
1: <laughs> I put him in the dirt. And it came out of man. Yeah. Um, so we- Dirt from the Shawshank Redemption pocket. <laughs> we, we see him tell her, we got to go, we can go anywhere we want to go. Let's yeah. go tonight, let's go in the morning, whatever. And then all of a sudden, we just see him on a different planet. And he's just kind of whistling, Dixie, tootle a doo And <laughs> I'm like, oh, he's, oh, okay, he already left. Yeah. Okay, Um this is the place he decided to go. And the stormtroopers were behind him and he just th- kind of thought, okay, they're not after me because they know who <laughs> I am. And they just kind of, oh, whatever, you know. It He just didn't seem like- um he was so hardened and, 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 and jaded. It seemed like it was a, a, um, a sequence in memory, but not necessarily present time to me. And so, but they kept going with it. And I just thought, okay, it's happening now. Uh-huh. And it's not a memory. Even when the stormtrooper is speaking with him, he just seems like a regular guy. He does not seem like Cassian that we've been following this entire show. He's like, oh, I'm a tourist.
0: Yeah, what's up?
1: What's going on? I did doing anything wrong. You know, he didn't like, he didn't, Outwit the stormtrooper. He didn't right. try and fight him. You know, maybe he just didn't want to die. But uh, it just seemed like everything impressive that he had done in the show was gone
0: in that sequence. And then now he was just in prison. I think that that particular sequence that you're talking about where he was on that other planet. Mm-hmm. Because if you recall, he was able to walk away with all those credits and he, he sure. really felt like, oh, I can start like the ideal life that I want for myself. And that's why he wanted to try and bring his mother along, but she wouldn't have any of it. And so he, you know, we see him like, like you know, he's got some, uh, I mean, I interpret it as like some hot prostitute that's sure. in bed. You know, he's got all these credits and stuff and... At the same time, the, the whole, like the point of that was to demonstrate how despite him being on a complete different planet, he was in fact a tourist, he was living the high life. I mean, he, he had a great like hotel room or apartment, whatever it was that, that like looked um, out o- over the beach and he had all these fine clothes on and stuff that when he ended up, you know, Seeing what was going on, and, and all of a sudden got questioned by one of those troopers and how like he was just like, I don't know. I'm I was literally just walking down and, and and literally what we got to witness was this abuse of power, right? We got to witness was which was basically um a totalitarian, like authoritarian dictatorship that was happening where there were no citizens rights whatsoever. Like basically if a soldier or a trooper looked at you cross, then they could basically ruin your life. Right. There was no like representation. There was no like, you know, uh, uh, you know, blind justice or whatever. Right. You know, we, we got to really see him just go through and, and get processed. And all of a sudden he had six years of his life stripped away in which later on we, we discovered too, actually his whole life has been thrown away because it's what was initially deemed as a prison or a prison camp was actually more of a slave camp. Like right. they were doing those kind of things on purpose because they had nefarious plans to do something like, I don't know, build the death star and you need a whole lot of labor to make something like that. So again, those types of things to me, I felt were very powerful because it, it forced Andor to have to mature and realign his thinking on things because his whole life was just thinking, oh, if I just get enough credits, I can just get out of the smuggling business and I can just have an easy life. And, and he really learned the hardware that like, no, actually it doesn't matter what you do with those credits and whatnot. The main problem is actually the Galactic Empire and right. they're going to make your life a living hell.
1: No, I got all that. Which is great, right? It, it, it is good. It kind of reminds me of um, the scene from... I think it, it, the third Lord of the Rings, the Return of the King, where Mary and Pippin are like, we're out. Well, let's just, let's go home back to the Shire. Yeah. And then Pippin goes, you don't understand. This is so big. This is so huge. If we don't do something now, as small as we are, there's going to be no Shire to go back to. That's and everything true. that we've been fighting for is going to be lost.
0: That's a very good just got goosebumps.
1: Oh. Um. Anyhow, so yes, that scene reminded me of that. But um, that's where I think I had the pacing issue is that in the prison, there wasn't enough really to keep my focus. I think there was an entire episode and there was, just nothing happening except for talking really. And then <laughs> I'm like, okay, like what's going to, I need more than this. You know, I need some drama. I need something to like, you know, shove popcorn in my mouth, you know, give me something else. And then there just wasn't um, until, you know, of course, a few more episodes down the line
0: or towards the end of the show, uh, then it really picked up
1: and, I was back on track.
0: Yeah, I, I just thought it was such a treat to see Andy Serkis in a Star Wars movie like this. You know, this is actually his second role because he was the, uh, the antagonist in the newer Star Wars films. And the name escapes me for the moment, but he was basically playing kind of like the, the Emperor version two. But, he, you know, he was playing that CG character that had the big gash in his head and his face looked all gnarly. And Snoke... Or Snope, it was like Sno with a K, I think. Yeah, maybe it was Snoop. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, this was his second role in uh, the Star Wars universe, and I, I just loved it. I loved his performance. I loved just what what the whole thing represented. And I don't know, like, it was such an unexpected turn and treat yeah it was it was a total treat but like that's the kind of stuff that makes the show really strong in my opinion is like you know you you have these unpredictable moments that are they're not even moments but like you know these unpredictable turns and then suddenly it's like oh wow like and for me it, it was a bigger deal because of the fact that Diego Luna's acting and and whatnot for this character and or and I've said this in in the, the last uh, episode that we did our impressions of the show on, he just doesn't resonate with me within this role. Like I'm sure there are other types of roles um, such as Narcos, for example, that like I resonate more with what kind of performance he's giving. And it's not entirely his fault. It's more about how the character is written because there's just no charisma. If you recall, I was talking about charisma and that sort of thing. However, in this whole jail prison sequence, that actually caused me to kind of get to know him a bit more and appreciate him a bit more. I still think he's kind of one of more of the boring characters honestly. Partially be also because there's just such such a, a large roster of characters that we got to know in this the show and as a result like we have like a number of of characters and actors I'm just like, "Oh wow, like like these are the ones that are, that are my personal favorite." But in terms of what we got to see with that I just I I really did love it. I love the whole jailbreak sequence. Um and honestly again, coming full circle and having that that little twist of irony at the end where they've uh won their freedom so to speak. People are jumping in the water, but then Andy Serkis' character says I can't swim. And we're just left with that. Yeah, and then
1: Andor gets knocked off into the water and that's all. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And and I remember thinking at the time like what are you going to do? I mean, you can either live with this as your legacy if you let, what, 5,000 people, I think it was in total, I think they were talking about, uh, go back to their lives. You freed 5,000 people from a slave camp. Um, and so that's what you've done with your life, which is phenomenal, which yeah. is amazing. Can you live? And if someone can someone drag you? You know, there's no life raft. There's no nothing. Everyone's just swimming for everything they've got to get, to get back. And who knows how many people died. Sure. I mean, do you take that chance or do you live until the empire lands and just executes you? You're like, what do you do at that point? You know, that was pretty poignant scene because I mean, Andy, I think really brought it, uh, the, that expression with his eyes and his face. Uh, he goes, I I can't swim. Like just peace out sort of thing. have a great life, you know, glad we did what we did just now, but
0: I it's got that only it's days a classic or hours left to live. Hollywood tragedy. Yeah. Right? Where, where like he, you see this character that I don't know, like everyone finds to be pivotal and interesting, and you know, you kind of witness them come around and you see their character development and then they're, they're offered their freedom. In which case, if you recall, like his character in particular was like counting down the days he had like 218 more shifts or days or something like that before he was freed. And so that meant it clearly meant a lot to him that he's like, look, I don't want anybody screwing up. I don't want anybody acting out. I want to be able to get out of here. I've, I've put my time in kind of thing. And then you, get to see how he realizes oh wow i'm never getting out of here like like this is just a facade and i'm going to be here for the rest of my days and then you get to see him be offered like here's your freedom but then do the fact that he can't swim it's like we don't we don't know if he actually made the jump or not i assumed he didn't and that's 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 a huge ironic moment there stellan Skarsgård. uh we we mentioned a bit earlier Luthen. I, again, I I thought he he did a great job throughout all the episodes. I think that he shouldered a different type of stress, a different type of tension um, in the sense that you know, he was very much like a chess player in the sense that he, he was just putting his pieces in different places. He was very careful, but he's also someone who's having to sacrifice quite a bit. In fact, when um, we have that one scene where we get to realize that there's that one redheaded guy who was on the Imperial Strategy Council. Like, I just figured he was part of the Empire, but actually, he's a mole. He's a mole. He's part of the Rebellion. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that was really cool. But then on top of that, too, is the scene that he shared with Luthan, which, again, that was was probably another one of my favorite scenes out of all 12 episodes where we really don't even know about the redheaded guy at all, other than just the brief scenes we've seen him in. But in this one instance of a scene is like, wow, like there was so much that we, that was revealed about this character. And I found myself like really getting drawn into it. And I absolutely loved it when, you know, after he's talked about why he's he's just like, man, I just don't think I could do this anymore. You know, a lot of things have changed since, especially since I became a father and I have this, this baby now and, you know, he asks Luth and he's like, well, you know, I'm I'm in this 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 position of just feeling trapped and, and everything else and I just you know I'm I'm sacrificing a lot like what are what have you sacrificed <laughs> and what was fun for me was that's not fun's the wrong word I would say what was more like kind of a a delightful surprise I'll say is the reaction could have been any number of things that Luthen could have given, right? He could have been like a jerk to the guy or he could have been sad or whatever. But I thought that the specific response that Luthen gave was perfect, where it was like he was still being respectful of this, this comrade of his it was clear that, that he kind of all of a sudden needed a moment to kind of process that question because it was, a in fact, a question that perhaps his character really hasn't addressed consciously, subconsciously, sure. But I just loved how, like, it was a nice long... It wasn't a long in terms of, like, overdrawn or boring answer, but it was a very, like... It's poignant. It was a very thoughtful, filled like response to his question to the point where, you know, yeah, he did get a little emotional about it, but at the same time I was like, wow, that was so well said, like kudos to the the screenwriters because like that, that was so well written and it just hit the nail on the head where like at the very end, like after he goes through all these different things, he's like, so you asked me what have I sacrificed? Everything. Um, and I think that that is at the crux of the show, where especially when it comes to the the rebellion side, you we really get this 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 broad understanding of like how much pressure they're under. And again, it's like what I said earlier, it's it's a pressure cooker of a show. But you see, you really see different forms of sacrifice and. How these people understand that what they are doing is for the greater good, despite the fact that their lives will most likely be ruined or Changed. maybe yeah. killed yeah. in the process. So that, to me that that had a lot of weight to it in a very good way because that's the kind of stuff that I think helps to separate it from more of like kind of more of the shallow, one dimensional.
1: Yeah, and that was that that scene also was very good because. I mean, so they're, they're in the elevator, they're in that spot where they can't be heard, can't be noticed, in the middle of like a tower, the structure part of the tower. And they're having that exchange, and yeah, it's uncomfortable because the guy works for the Empire, and he's being this mole, he doesn't want to find out because he has more to lose now. He's got a wife, he's got a kid, and I'm like, okay, I you know, I can't enough, I don't have kid yet, but I mean, I can understand the fact that, okay. Well, even the mental stress of him being all alone. The mental stress of him being all alone. And, and so, but if Luther would have said, ah, yeah, okay, you've done enough, peace out sort of thing. The dude's still working for the empire, who's the enemy. Yeah. And so, like, at that point, we're adversaries. If you stop, and I think he realized that too, which is why they didn't
0: really get close to each other. Well, no, actually, if you recall, the redheaded guy was actually saying that he was thinking he could just quit the job. Working for the Empire. And so that, that's when Luther was saying, no, you don't understand. Like, this is not a job that you can just leave. Like, they, they don't work that way. I, I may have
1: missed that then because the way I understood it was he he didn't want... He, he was too fearful of continuing to be the mole and to get found out and then killed and also, like, his family being killed. And so he wanted to stop being the mole. Mm. That's how... I Maybe you interpreted that wrong, but that's how I, at least I understood it when I was watching it, and then that whole exchange was uh you know, Luther said what he said, which is what you what you quoted, and then they went on their merry way, and the guy had to take a bit to process and collect himself and think like, okay, yeah, I need to continue this you're doing this job It's not all about me, it's about collectively the cause, but I don't know, I just thought he he came across to me as if he just wanted to be working for the empire, collect a paycheck, you know, or advance his career. And that'd be that. Now, yeah. like, that was the safer option because if he became a regular citizen again, then he would be one of the regulars, you know, one of the, the underlings in a way that was uh, about to get crushed by the empire. And he didn't want that either. Yeah. So he, he was like, you know, self conflicted, but anyway, to me, it, it was just like, okay, if you're walking away from this, you're my enemy and i might kill you for it mm-hmm. like right right here right now but he didn't and he gave them new vigor i guess for the cause and then they they departed right
0: yeah the the show itself so far has a number of very powerful memorable scenes that rely a lot on the actors ability to to deliver and i feel like they are delivering um, in a lot of different places Ben Miles plays Senator Tay, who was the friend of Mon Motha. He was that older gentleman who was also a senator. I've never seen him, at least not to my knowledge. I don't, I don't think I've seen him in anything else before. I really liked his look and I liked how he delivered his lines. I thought he was a, a very unique character. Um, Again, one of those characters that you really don't see in a lot of episodes, you only see him here and there whatever, but like the times that we do see him, I'm I'm enthralled. I'm like, "Okay, who is this guy?" Like this guy, I mean, he has what I call like the old school Star Wars look. Like he totally he does, fits yeah. like Star Wars style characters in yeah. my opinion. And um and it was great to be able to see like like how he was getting kind of roped into some of the stuff and like some of the relationship uh, complexities of like with him and Mon Motha, how they were kids growing up and, you know, she's trying to rely on him for things, but yet he ends up like introducing her to like, I, I don't know if he, if this other guy was just a thug or if he was also a politician. I I, I, did, I couldn't quite understand that, but like, you know, she once again, another component of like the walls closing in where like, You know, due to the fact that she had 400,000 credits that were missing, she was in this tight, this tight place and she didn't know really what to do. And then we finally see how she had no choice. And so this thug's family is being introduced to her family because the thug wants. Um, his son to meet her daughter. Basically, he gets set up for marriage, basically. And she right. wants nothing to do with it. And so you're seeing yet another level of sacrifice that she's having to make in order to keep her cover going on because she realizes what the greater good is. But, I mean, again, it, the, the show constantly revisits that question at what cost, right? Mm, I think it's pretty cool, Steve. Yes. very good. So those were the ones that were on, like, like the the good list for me. The boring ones, like, Diego Luna I've already talked about. Um, there was, let's see, oh, Kyle Soller, who was uh, Cyril, you know, he lived with his mom, that sure. sort of thing. He intrigued me at the beginning, but then it's like the show didn't really know what to do with his character, and it was just kind of weird where, like, he was in stasis or hiatus for most of the 12 episodes. And then all of a sudden it was like, I don't know, the final handful of episodes. And All of a sudden he comes back into the picture and he does certain things It's like, oh, okay, well, that's a bit interesting or whatever. I just, yeah, I I think that was more on the side of like how the character was developed or, you know, lack thereof. I'm just kind of like, why is this character here? Like he was so interesting in the beginning and then it just kind of like, eh, yeah,
1: I think the story just diverted into something else. And when we were in that kind of marketplace or, or, or that little suburb, I guess, then it was easier to connect the dots between like the security officers and the rebels uh, because everybody was in the same area versus, you know, Cassian, who was then in a different spot or different planet altogether. And then you had the rebellion team, and then you had. Uh, you know something else going on over here, and then something else going on over there, and it, it gets a bit hard to to you know keep all the players at at play when they're so far apart. Yeah. Versus when they're all together. So, I think after that rebellion took place with stealing of the credits and whatnot, uh, then they could kind of reel it back in, and we can get back into his his life and see what he's doing. Yeah. With, uh,
0: with his mom. Lastly, Faye, who played Vel. She was the the woman. She had uh, blonde hair. She was the aunt. She was like Mon Motha's sister, and uh, she was the one. She that, was the freedom fighter. The free- like we right, saw, right, and right, we got right, introduced right. to by yeah. Luthen early on, what sort of thing. I found her to be kind of annoying, honestly. Like, like I, I, she was just so caught up in being kind of like the having the tough exterior and like. The one thing I did think that was interesting was the kind of aha realization of like, oh, she's Mon Motha's sister. She plays this aunt. It's like, oh, okay. Well, that's, I didn't expect that. That was interesting. But like, I don't know. I, I just felt like she wasn't a character once again. She didn't have any kind of charisma. I didn't find her appealing she came, she came across to me as, as kind of, I don't know, just there and annoying and everything else. And like, it was like, it was drama for the sake of just needing some drama. Like, oh, can you sprinkle some drama on that? It's like, I just, I didn't, I didn't connect with that character personally. And um, it's, it was interesting too, because I felt like her, her purpose in the show got wrapped up when Cassian went over and like basically like, you know, said this person tried to rob you of your credits and stuff. You know, she was trying to save um, the other kid who had been uh, basically killed. And that was kind of the end of it, right? Like, it was kind of like, you know, Cassian took his share and he left her with the uh, with the remainder and left. And it was kind of like, okay, I, you know, I feel good about this. It's like, okay, that, that, that part has right. played out. Now we're going on to the next chapter. But then to have her reemerge, I'm like why like yeah. and even at the end like she didn't do anything revolutionary remarkable, or remarkable yeah. or i mean she was just kind of there and she gave her kind of squinty hard look and like, assessing the situation and you know, i'm just like eh, no i'm bored
1: yeah i wish they would do would have done something better with her towards the end uh, i see what you mean like she was interesting in the beginning yeah um when Luthen was speaking with her, and yeah. he basically introduces Cassian to her, uh, but after that, yeah, they didn't really do much with her character. You're right there. I, I kind of wish they brought her back in in the end. What did they even do with the other half of the credits? What do you mean? Cassian got his, and they stole a bunch of money. Oh, I can't remember. What did they do with it? I think it was to fund the rebellion. I'm guessing. But they never really. At least, I totally missed it. He's like, "I'm taking half." I'm like, "That's a lot uh, to carry with you." I mean, you know, that's all that gold and whatever was was in there. Yeah. And then he takes the ship and goes, I guess. And then she has hers. And then they never really say, "Oh, we got rich," and "Oh, we've got you know, we've bought a lot more weapons and we bought a lot more ships." And oh, we're, the rebellion's a lot better off. Or here's that four hundred thousand back and
0: you know credits. You- yeah, I don't remember. I'm like, what happened to it? Yeah. I'm sure it's it's there. We just missed it. Um, great, because both I, of us. I do think, though. I mean, the the whole purpose of why they were going for the for those credits was to fund. It was like 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 the start of the rebellion. Basically, yeah. they had to buy ships and so on and so forth. So, uh, well, we have talked for an hour now, mm. and uh, I would like to know your rating of the show. Russ, I'm going to give it a four star. Four star from Steve. Four stars. Um, I, this show was definitely a, a
1: breath of fresh air. I think it came out on Disney Plus a little bit too late. Hmm. I feel like... Um, I think this should have been one of the shows like after The Mandalorian to continue the whole... like. Upward slope of the Star Wars content they are sure. bringing out. I've lately it seems like it's been going like this, and maybe more like this than this, uh, in my opinion. Anyway, yeah. uh, so but I feel like the 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 movie that we got to know casting in what was it Rogue One right yeah. in it yeah. was fresher in everyone's minds earlier on than like now. So I I, I think the show is a little bit late coming out, but I'm glad they brought it out. Mm -hmm. I I feel refreshed in the Star Wars universe seeing this show as good of quality as it is with the production values being on location, not so much explosions and lightsabers and, and green screens and whatnot, but more character development and quality of writing. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, directing music. There was a tension, like we've been talking about. Um, the complexity of everybody's decisions having weight and bearing on, on other people. Um, more than just good versus evil. Uh, all the little webs and intricacies, intricacies and within the, the empire versus in the rebellion. Uh, I, I liked a lot of the characters that were written in. Luthen was a you know huge. I, I really did like his character, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with him in later seasons. Yeah, uh, I think they they left a lot to the imagination, but purposefully so for seasons to come. Um, but I, I'm with you in that. You know Diego Luna needs to have like more expression to bring more presence to the screen. He doesn't do a bad job acting. I thought his acting was great, except for like his expression. That's like literally my only criticism of him. But um, for the most part, I thought they did a very good job with the show. Um, I,
0: I really enjoyed it. I can't wait for the next season. Right on. Thank you for that, Steve. You're welcome. I do give it four stars. We are simpatico yet against you. I think that this was a unique challenge for the creators in the sense that most people, and I, I include myself in this, hmm. have been conditioned to expect. You, know, when I hear Star Wars, it's like, oh, I want to see Jedi's. I want to, <laughs> yeah, lightsabers. I want to see um, tremendous space opera battles, space dog fighting. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Uh, just, just you know, the kind of the, 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 the tried and true of of what we have come to expect from Star Wars, but um, in this instance, though, they went out on a limb, and I commend them for it because we got introduced to a number of quality characters. Uh, many of which I'm very interested in seeing, like, if they decide to green light additional seasons, very curious to see where they go from here. I think that leading up to a Rogue One uh, movie, I think that there is quite a bit there that they can have fun with. They have now established the creative sandbox and they have these characters that are now developed quite a bit. And I just want to see what happens when you kind of, uh, you know, you toss these characters into uh the formula and mix it up a bit and, st- and see kind of what happens and, and see as they continue on their journeys. But I do really think it's, it's a neat aspect to like how you don't have to have characters that know the force or, you know, right. Have like, like these, these classical um, archetypes of what makes Star Wars characters um, recognizable. You know, they, they have intentionally instead created these characters that tend to be kind of more of like the the common man or the common person. Right. And that is, is something that, that is a, a, it can be a creatively difficult lift to make, but if you make it successfully, it's like, Oh wow. Because they're speaking, it's almost as if like kind of the running theme also works in their favor as they approached making this show, which is like, you know, the, I don't know, like, like the, 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 overarching goal is worth the, you know, kind of the sacrifice that they make, right? Well, it's like, you know, what is what we're doing all of this so that we can provide more of this well-rounded world that is alive and organic and breathing and like, you know, has a symbiotic relationship with each other. And like you, you get to see kind of this evolutionary period of what's happening between the the classic star Wars movies I don't know. I, I think that a lot of that is a lot of fun to be able to see. I do think it is interesting in the sense that it is a a departure from the tried and true formula of Star Wars. You know, what we talked about like the George Lucas Star Wars films, because there was a more of a balance between good versus evil. Right. Like you had your merry band of protagonists and they had their banter and like we enjoyed seeing them get themselves into these like seemingly impossible situations, but somehow they made it out, they survived, you know, and there was a hurrah moment kind of thing. This doesn't have that anymore, though. this is this is predominantly in that more, you know, the empire has won. these people are are recognizing that they've got to push back, but at what price. And so it's it's very heavy, right? it's it's, it's, it's this very uh, melancholy, pessimistic, environment that they are in and so it is a bit of a change in that regard too where it's like you know i do like having a balance i like having you know mixing it up where we get to have more of that swashbuckling goodness and stuff like that but that's not to say that like i don't enjoy this at all i do think that this is a a nice breath of fresh air i will say Mm. that wraps up this episode of joygasm Thank you so much for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm, which is spelled J-O-Y-G-A-S-M and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll gain exclusive perks and early access to the show. Not to mention it financially helps us continue doing the podcast. Also, click on that subscribe button as well as that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single episode of Joygasm that drops once a week each week. And while you're at it, you can do a search for at Joygasm TV on your favorite social media platform of choice. We're on all of them. Last but not least, do a search for Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9 30 p.m. Central Time. We hope you have enjoyed hanging out with us as we have you. And we will see you next week.